This is Control Structure Episode 42, Semi-Steampunk Amish for September 9th, 2013, with hosts Christopher Thompson and Andrew Bailey, and now with Serious Things to Serious Environments. Hey Chris, how you been? I've been good, and you? Ah, uh, well the weekend was nice, but uh, seems like I hold all the responsibility at work, because the lead guy is totally out, um, so... I guess it seems like sort of like a cruel joke that I have to, you know, actually do serious things now to serious, uh, to serious environments. Well, congratulations on your promotion. Well, temporary anyways. It's not like I was uh, wanting this responsibility that much. Well, if you do a good enough job, you will get... Yeah, that's, that's the weird thing about, you know the chicken and egg problem of experience so like you don't have experience unless you do it and you can't really do it unless you have experience so but there are opportunities that do come around so (laughs) yep so uh let's see anything else oh yeah i've been playing lots of borderlands and other games over the weekend so i've seen that i've still been playing monster hunter Oh, yeah, uh, is that the one you got for Wii U? Yep. I've passed 85 hours. Nice. So, anyways, let's uh, get on to a few topics here. Have you ever read the I Have a Dream speech? No. No, it's like one of the most foundational things of our time. But that's because I can't ever find it. In fact, I can't ever find anything more than a 10-second clip. And it's always the beginning. Ah, that sounds like copyright restrictions. Wait, copyright? Yes, apparently the I Can Have a Dream speech by... I... wait, I have a dream speech, not I can has a dream. Thank you, I can has cheeseburger. Anyway, that really important speech that Martin Luther King Jr. did, like, 50 years ago, apparently that's under copyright and will be for, like, another 70 years or so. So, as a result, it is illegal to republish under most circumstances. So, let me get this straight. I'll never get to eat it. Well, unless you go to the Pirate Bay or uh, any other less reputable institutions. Well, I, I, I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah. So... I mean... Yeah. So, anyways, uh... Turns out that uh, pneumatic systems are really popular with the Amish. In fact, compressed air is called Amish electricity. You know, they love to hack and tinker around with stuff just as much as anyone else. Uh, solar cells, batteries, and LEDs are also used, too. So much for them hating on electricity. Mmm. So, yeah, Interesting. Turn, yeah, it turns out Amish, uh, you know, use diesel-powered engines quite a bit, but, uh, like, they don't really use the, uh, diesel engines to move themselves around. They, like, use horses and stuff. Hmm. So... And, you know, of course, there's this huge uh, thing over cell phones. And, you know, they never really got on with a car. Uh, but although they do not 
own and operate cars, uh, they'll uh, ride in other people's cars. Hmm. Yeah, I I have heard that they, if they got cars, they hire other people to drive them. Yep. So it pretty much all depends on you know like which, uh, like what the rules of their community are, and they're not all like completely uniform. So, yeah, there's a whole, you know, rainbow of, you know, Amish and Mennonites. So, I got an article here that pretty much, uh, you know, explains it all. So, yeah, so I guess the uh, uh, the pneumatic systems uh, sort of make them semi-steampunk Amish. <laughs> it's, it's a really uh, crazy thought. <laughs> You know, that should be a t-shirt. Semi-steampunk Amish. <laughs> yep. So, uh, hey, how about a Kickstarter? Yeah, I have a Kickstarter. This one's actually kind of interesting. Y- you know how you have a camera phone? Uh, I do, but it's not a very good one. Well, how would you like to turn it into a microscope? Hmm. If my cell phone camera was actually kind of good... That might be something cool. I'm I'm just imagining you have an iPhone 5 for this scenario. Oh, which I don't. But do go on. Yep, so apparently there's a thing that you can attach to your camera lens, and it magnifies the lenses, so it pretty much essentially turns it into kind of a microscope. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess it isn't that surprising since... Uh... Like, there's actual, uh, like, serious big lenses uh, for iPhones. Mm-hmm. So, its um, base magnification is 15 times, with the max being 60 times. Huh. So, yeah, see, here in one of the examples, it shows, you know, like a smiley face next to a penny... And it zooms in on the smiley face, and you can see the fibers in the paper. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yep, and they have already been successful. Uh, many times over, it looks like. Yep. 61,000 out of 5,000 with six days to go. Hmm. Well, looks like uh, they're raking it in there. Yep. Oh, it's almost a little bit creepy. <laughs> so, so um, I'd be really interested in the X-ray. Yeah, uh, the X-ray vision that uh, includes sweet transparency. Yep. this out too much, but I guess we sort of have a a lull Microsoft.
apparently they uh, they bought like Nokia's phone division for like really? for a little over seven Instagrams. But we're not really gonna talk much about that because we're not the gadget show. Ah. Uh. So, and also the next Android version is going to be called KitKat. <laughs> They're going down through the uh, list of sweets alphabetically. So, uh, do you think that insert language here is crap? Well, you should be thankful that you don't work on Bankstar. Which... What? what? Bankstar. Um, see, I'm not exactly sure uh, who uses this, but, you know, probably some bank or something. Um, let's see. First Interstate Bank of Washington. Um, the syntax is just a whole bunch of numbers and commas. That's it. And, uh, you might not think that's too, you know, so bad, but, uh, like, apparently there's no if statements or anything else. It, it's really hacked together like this. And there's a hard limit of 2,000 variables plus constants in the entire system. Uh, anything displayed on a screen or printed in a form must be defined as a constant, thereby taking up part of this valuable space. As a result, most calculations are done within a block of 20 or so working storage variables, which are continually reused. Everything in the system is global. Um, I guess they didn't really get the memo of uh, global variables are bad and evil. Uh, new, pro new projects always started off with the programmer searching for a handful of working storage numbers that could be borrowed just long enough to complete the calculation, then restored to their original values before the rightful owner noticed anything was missing. <laughs> so I can see a lot of bugs happening. Oh, yeah. Uh, no doubt. So, yeah. I mean, that's like multi-threading bad right there. Uh, well, multi-threading would essentially trash the system, but as much crap as PHP gets, that would be a lot better than this. Indeed. So, hey, speaking about crap, you know who gives out a lot of crap in his emails? Uh, Linus Torvalds. Uh, the guy that works on the Linux kernel is apparently renowned for his swearing. And uh, swears in the Linux kernel have been stagnating recently, uh, but due to the uh, number of lines that keep continually being added, the number of uh, lines per swear has gone way down. So, apparently, penguin is uh, used as a swear word in the Linux kernel. Huh. So, I didn't know that they kept stuff like the penguin. Uh, is that what you just said? Yes. So that's, uh, I thought that was rather interesting. Yes. So, yeah. There you go. Hmm. Oh, moving on. Have you ever heard of AES? Uh, let's see. I think it stands for something. Um, but do go on. The Advanced Encryption Standard. Oh, yeah, that evil thing. Yeah. Wait, what? Evil. 
Why is it evil? It keeps everything secured. Well, it can be evil in a way, but do go on. Oh, yeah, true. It didn't keep the... Like, DRM and stuff. Yeah, I forgot the name of that one group. NASA without one of the... NAS. It didn't keep them out. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. So, if you want to know more, there is a stick figure guide story. And it's actually kind of interesting. I got about halfway, and then I just gave up. Oh, yeah, because uh, turns out polynomials are really hard. Yep. And, uh, like, there's, uh, like, a certain agreement here that says, uh, you know, you promise not to uh, implement this. Uh, in production code, even though it might be really fun, but why would you? Like, this is all math. It's really hard, and, you know, how many computer scientists are really good at math? Probably not as many as you think. No. Plus, why would you have to? AES is implemented in pretty much every standard library ever. True. So, yeah, save yourself some work. So, um, so are you looking to make an indie game? No. Well, what about that Life of Wars or something? I'm still working on it. Well, you might want to take some tips from this guy who, uh, didn't actually do so well. So, Mm. like, he, uh, wasn't really, uh, like that focused and stuff, and, uh, yeah, what he made wasn't exactly a game so much as a game engine. Um, but uh, apparently he's uh, put all that behind him, and he's currently working for something on Unreal Engine 4. Hmm. So he gives like five tips here. Apparently he vastly underestimated the money needed to pay for the project. Um, apparently he was, uh, apparently he just uh, quit his uh, day job to work on this. Um, he was way too ambitious with what he was trying to build, uh, and building his own uh, game engine while fun and great learning was expensive, and it was a mistake. And he was sorely missing an artist and level designer, and he vastly underestimated not just the money, but also the time, which I guess you could say is also money. Yep. Time is money. Yep, uh, Loading Ready Run proved it. Yes, they did. So, uh, so yeah, maybe he should have used, like, a pre-built engine. Uh, maybe something called Unity. Remember, uh, the Unity engine? Uh, I think, uh, NetGain's using that one? Yep, they are. Um... So, apparently, the latest release now has proper 2D support and uh, has an advertising platform built in if you want if you want to use it. Mm. So, um, apparently, a lot of the games uh, built and released uh, using Unity are actually 2D games, and they kind of have to uh, hack at it a little bit in order to, you know, uh, so, sort of hammer in the 2D stuff on a 3D engine. Make some sense. Yep. Um, so this makes me recall that uh, one comment that Alex St. John wrote uh, in response to 
uh, one of the comments I put on his blog, and uh, he said that during the transition from 2D to 3D, uh, somewhere around like the late 90s and 2000 or so, um, like everyone was going to 3D, like everyone. And he says that because of this, that we lost all the people who only did 2D stuff. And it's only recently did, uh, uh, you know, with, you know, you know, realizing that, oh, 2D is actually good for stuff and not everything should be in two, uh, in 3D, um, that, you know, Microsoft is coming out with something called Direct 2D and it's been out for quite some time. So, hmm. yeah, uh, food for thought there. Oh. Certainly nice that you did get a response back. Yep. So, uh, let's see, speaking of 2D and other uh, game engines, uh, Gama Sutra has an article about the game engine that powered Maniac Mansion. Uh, uh, that engine is called Scum, or Script Creation Utility for Maniac Mansion, and it went on to be the basis of uh, many famous games. Uh, uh, both by them and other companies. Hmm. And I thought this was a pretty interesting read. Um, especially where they get to the part where, uh, they were saying that people standing, you know, next to us in a lunch line w were probably a little unsettled because they kept on talking about scum and bile and mucus and phlegm, uh, referring to the various subsystems within this. And apparently they also had cyst. Um, like all the various animation and sound systems and, uh, like pathing. Uh, I like somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. They, it, it's obvious that they had a lot of fun with this. So, and. I don't know. Bile is really, really creative. Yep. And mucus. Just come backwards almost. So, um, yeah, this was, uh, I think it was back in the 80s and maybe probably a little into the 90s. So. Oh, have you heard that Samsung has started manufacturing DDR4? DDR4? I thought we were on DDR3. Oh, uh, they moved up to DDR4. Oh, wow. So, yeah, only if I had something that could run it. Yeah, that really sucks. Um, apparently, Samsung has been working on this for at least a year. Uh, they reported that 16 gigabyte modules were being sampled uh, in July 2012. Um, Samsung boasts that the modules support up to 2,667 megabit transfer speeds and uh, with lower power consumption. So that's only that's not that's only like two gigs. So, and there's no word on whether uh, DDR4 uh, will be supported in the uh, like upcoming Broadwell Intel chips, and AMD has yet to announce uh, DDR4 support. Hmm. So pretty much a technology before its time. Uh well, I mean, if they get started this early, when you know, everything else is ready to use it, it should be cheaper. Yeah, that is true to a point. Yep. 
So, uh, Tamer says that the number one trait of a good developer is judgment. And he offers up two stories. Uh, one person who writes everything using the latest stuff, uh, even though that they have only been out for a week or so. And uh, so all the projects that he does uh, ends up being unmaintainable. Uh, the other one uses known things and doesn't really learn uh, like everything new over and over for every project and asks important questions to make a very maintainable and workable solution. Well, I would definitely go with the things that are known because other people have had time to work out the issues. Yeah. So, like, instead of going to town uh, with things like Google Protocol Buffers, Node.js, and Cassandra, uh, you know, don't be afraid to use MySQL and, uh, was it Sinatra in Ruby, I think. I'm not sure what Sinatra is written, written with, but... Um, you know. So instead, uh, the second developer uh, started asking questions like, "How many devices do we expect to have, and how often will they support it? Will report in, and how reliable is the network?" So, you know, think twice about you know doing everything new, uh, but don't be afraid to use like one or two things new. True. So. You know, this sort of uh, makes me reflect a little bit in the fact that I may have over-engineered my blog a little bit, but that's okay because it's still maintainable. Yeah, it's, and you're the one who's maintaining it, so ha! So, you know, it's using Java servlets, which have been around forever, and it uses Postgres, and, you know, granted this sounds a little bit overkill for a blog, I don't care. I can run it for free and, you know, I can pass it off on people and say, hey, look at this. Mm. But what happens if your judgment isn't that great in your startup? Hmm. I'm not sure what to do there, but I haven't really been in a startup. Hmm. So, uh, again, back to that question of what technologies should you use? And uh turns out that it kind of depends on company culture. Uh, so uh, Matt here has apparently started a few companies, or at least consulted. And uh, over the years, apparently people have asked him a lot of questions. Uh, but a lot of this one. I'm starting a new project. What technology do you think I should use? Um, often uh, it's because of one of two things. Uh, one... They are technologists who have made up their mind, and others, uh, entrepreneurs who need to be reassured of what they've already chosen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can go with, uh, you know, very established but, things like PHP and Java and C Sharp. Yeah, but the key goal to remember is the right, the right tool for the right job. Indeed. Don't use the hammer to cut down the tree. Yeah, that's kind of like using PHP to write OpenGL. It's just not going to work. Well, somebody out there will make it work. That is a guarantee fact about computers. Yeah, and I'm horrified of the fact that someone somewhere wants to base their company's website off of a bunch of iPads in a data center. <laughs> you know that's happening somewhere. 
So wouldn't surprise me. Yep. So, hey, do you know what SEO is? Yes, that search engine optimization. Hmm. But I just found a cheat sheet. Oh, cool. 2.0. Ah, so it's been around for a little while. Yep. So, uh, on this PDF here, it's, you know, nice and compact and, you know, essentially gives the, uh, the basics for important topics in search engine optimization. So, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, what your title, uh, on your page should be and what the description of the page should be and, uh, other categories like, uh, robots.txt and sitemaps. Mm. So, and, uh, you know, goes, uh, even into, uh, social media, uh, metadata. So, which I don't have on my blog because, well, social media. Um, so, yeah, I actually have the, uh, robots and sitemap, uh, tips on my blog. So, so you have your site up and running, uh, but you want to count how many times each element occurs in a page. Uh, got a link here that will do exactly that, and it'll display it in a faux periodic element table. Wait, what? So, like, you know how the periodic table of the elements look like? It's kind of yes. like stair steps with kind of thin in the middle and like a row or two underneath of it separate. Huh, I gotta try this. Yeah. So it turns out that my blog is uh, rather heavy on links and paragraphs. Which is not surprising. But, uh, yeah, I found I got, this. The one that I'm looking at has 250 ink. Uh, anchor than 233 bike lines. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, anyways, that's a little fun tidbit there. So, uh, if you recall, um, it's probably about a month ago, that I decided to put all of my web fonts on my blog into Base64 and embed them in my CSS file. It turns out that uh, those data URIs that I, you know, converted those to uh, might be pretty slow on gadgets like phones and tablets. Mm. So, which is kind of counterintuitive because, uh, like, if you need to go out and fetch something, you know, from a server, it induces, uh, you know, it makes you wait you know, for the network to finish doing its thing. You know, data URIs are already there. It's, you know, pretty much the data right there. And uh, base64 is essentially bit twiddling. So it should be really fast. True. So, I guess we'll have to wait for optimizations oh. to... Uh, just, just another real quick news. Not Kentucky recently got 4G network. Oh, that's cool. Yep. So I'll be able to download a heck of a lot faster. So, uh, but you're, uh, you're on cable modem, right? Well, like phone. Well, but like right now you're running over, whatchamacallit? Cable. Yeah. 
So, anyways, um, so, um, yeah, talking about CSS, I do, I don't think I have any CSS transforms, uh, but they can be quite powerful and you can be, uh, rather, uh, uh, inventive with them. Uh, you can use it to liven up your menu options, uh, but please use responsibly. Or responsibly, responsibly. Not exactly sure. Please use with cautious. Yes, that one. So, uh, got a, uh, I found with, a... With great power comes great responsibility. Yes, yeah, so I found a webpage here that has uh, a lot of really interesting effects. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, you know, again, please use uh, with caution. You know, I could actually use this for my website at work. Cool. Yeah. Well, I I have been trying to wait, try to find a way to calculate different numbers so you have a high and a low. So I think I'll give this one a try. Yeah. So. Let's pretend that you're trying to generate colors for a chart, a game, uh, some dynamic CSS even, or... Oh, great. I just read the wrong. Or many of the myriad of other things that need coloring. Um, so I found some good strategies to do that. So, and because this article is from New Zealand, uh, please mind the you in all the colors. But, mm. um... You know, it goes over, uh, it first starts out with the perception of color in that, uh, you know, computers measure color in a rather, uh, uh, how should I say, regular and, uh, measured way, but colors are not exactly perceived that way by people or even displayed that way on monitors. True. Because you got the nice thing of aspect, uh, not aspect ratios, but, Brightness. You can you can adjust the individual ratings. Yeah, and uh, apparently, human perception of color can be hacked by other colors next to it. Correct. The 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 white the uh, white lines with the black squares. Yep. Um, but we're not exactly. Yeah, there's like the four squares here with squares inside of them. Like the uh, the green on the light blue looks, I'm not sure. It looks maybe a little more gray than the uh, the yellow and green. So true. So it finally gets down to uh, choosing colors, and there's a few strategies you can do that. Um, but the interesting one I found is uh, using the golden ratio. The um, what? The golden ratio. It's uh, about halfway down the page. Um, this is a scheme to select from a sequence of to select a sequence of colors, not necessarily up front, so that consecutively selected colors are always far away from each other. Uh, they never repeat, although over time they become close to previously chosen ones. Ah, uh, okay. I see it now. So. Really good for multiplayer games. So, and then you can use uh, 
uh, like different color spaces to do uh, randomized selection in, uh, like a, uh, the hue, saturation, lightness color space. So, yeah, this 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 page makes me so excited about colors. Well, mind the you. <laughs> I see that we got some feedback from Ian this week. We did get some feedback from him. So, uh, thanks for listening, Ian. Uh, he uh, really liked the Roland. Uh, he assumes that it was in reference to the fact that Chris has a girlfriend. And, uh, uh, yes, that is. Uh, there's also apparently another girl there. Uh, plus his cats are girls, too. Yep. So... Uh, Ian says, I will never slip up. We will always be one step ahead, especially if we count gaming-related Nexus specials that we did. Well, unfortunately, Nexus specials are not 8-bit episodes. And this is now our 42nd episode, uh, even though we numbered 43. Or was it number... No, this is number 42. This is our 43rd episode. Excuse me. So we catch up again. (laughs) Ha ha ha. So, uh, Ian says that uh, Andrew should get a Nexus 4 to go with that solar charger. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering if those have Snapdragons, because I hear that they're pretty good, but I have no idea where I heard that. Maybe I saw an ad somewhere. Well, no, I don't watch TV. Huh. (laughs) Oh, well. Um, So, Ian uh, is a little confused on are conflicted on the subject of ad blockers, especially now that he has started experimenting with them on his blog, and apparently he's going to start a YouTube channel. Not sure what for, but hey, that's cool. Uh, Ian likes uh, Adblock Plus is encouraging ad makers to use less intrusive ads by letting those ones through. Hmm. And, uh, well, I guess that's the step for you going uh, between college and profit. Hey, I get it. Ads must be that second missing steps for the underpants gnomes. Shh. They're gonna come and get you. Hmm. Well, I already bought some underpants last week, so... And, you know, I was I was pretty close to uh, shipping my underpants. Hmm. <laughs> um... So, anyways, if you would like to submit feedback, uh, go ahead and use the contact link. And don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day. So, back up your stuff every day. And then, hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. And my dad, 
doesn't listen to this. But now that I said so, he's probably going to listen to this. So, hi, Dad. Hmm. Well, we could really use an, a guest. I mean, yes. when was the last time we had a guest? Uh, I think it's been a few months. But, uh, don't make me have to come out and get people for this. But it looks like I might have to. So, mm-hmm. yes, because Chris will be gone next week. So, uh, yeah, anyone who wants to guess will have, like, half a show to themselves. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, that was a pretty short podcast. Yep, that was. So, uh, did you uh, check out the uh, Star Citizen uh, hangar module yet? I have not. I'm actually going to wait on that until it it actually gets pushed out a little bit more. Yeah, because, uh, let's see. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of doing demo half-done games. So, yeah, there's not exactly a whole much whole uh, bunch to it. I mean, it's literally a garage with a spaceship in it. And, uh, like, there's a hologram with a, a unspecified interface to it. But uh, you have to, like, actually know what to do with that. And, uh, let's see, the update that they released before the weekend, um, one wall was missing, and, uh, like, uh, there's, like, a catwalk that goes up above it, and, like, some of that was gone. Uh, but at least, uh, that's the, uh, the discount hangar. I hear that there are, like, two or three others. Mm. So, so, yeah, you're not exactly missing a whole bunch with that. Yay! So, but you can you can get in there and like sit down in your very own spaceship. Yeah, I'll wait. <laughs> so, yeah, that seems to be about it here for us. So, um, yeah, I hear that your roomie's moving out pretty soon. Yep, within hopefully the next thirty minutes. So, uh, that's the one that can't use the rice cooker, right? Yep. And the oven. <laughs> um, or at least has problems interfacing with an oven. Yeah, doesn't know what a hot pad is. Bless his soul. Yep. So, anyways, it seems like I'm going to be struggling with uh, really serious environments still at work. Mm. So, uh, between that, uh, maybe farting out a blog post. Um, also, uh, don't forget that September 13th uh, is also on a Friday, but it is also the 256th day of the year, uh, which, nice. which makes uh, Friday of next week Programmer Day. Yay! Uh, yeah, speaking of which, my release at my company actually got moved a week. Oh, so it's on the 13th? It's on the 20th. Ah, so, Has never happened before. So the twentieth. Um, see, I think that nineteenth uh, might be Talk Like a Pirate Day. So yeah, some very interesting uh, holidays are coming up pretty soon. Yep. So, uh, well, I guess uh, we'll try to have fun until then. So yes, we will. All right. So uh, have a good one. You too. Bye.